You know what I think having an inspired practice is your mentality leading up to it and getting your mind into the right, getting into the right mentality leading up to your practice so that you're available to actually consume the things that are valuable to you and then take those little wins with each skill that you're doing. This episode is brought to you by West Coast Beach, a year-round beach volleyball club on the west side of Los Angeles in Santa Monica, California. At West Coast Beach, we aim to get 1% better every day, both on and off the court. You can find more info about us at westcoastvbc.com and on Instagram with handle at westcoastvbc. All right, I'm here with the one and only Casey Patterson. Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, dude. Stoked to be here. Uh, I'm excited. I've been reading, uh, seeing what you guys have been doing and uh, who you've been interviewing. Dude, insane. Like, I would trade spots right now and interview <laughs> all those legends. It's so rad. Well, you're a legend in your own right, Casey. Mr. <laughs> Boom, the 6'6 Ninja. You played at BYU. You played pro indoors in Europe and Puerto Rico. And then you tran transferred all to the beach. You're a 15-time champion on the AVP, including the Manhattan Beach Open in 2016. You were named the best offensive player and team of the year in 2013 with Jake Gibb, a two-time champ on the FIVB World Tour, an Olympian in 2016 with Jake Gibb. You traveled all over the world as a competitor. You're a husband, a father, an influencer. You're a legend, Casey Patterson. Thanks again, man. Wow, I wish I was recording my screen, dude. I just need to have that as my like 5 a.m. wake up, 4 a.m. wake up and just have have that ramble off. You're like, oh, you're right. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Let's jump right into it, man. What does living an inspired life mean to you? Great question. And I think you can take it in so many different ways. And to be honest, I feel like it's like the energy that you portray to other people. I feel like for me, it's like being inspired is when you show up to a tournament and you could be go hanging out in the player's tent. You Instead, you kind of go and you mingle and you walk around and you watch your buddies used to compete against or you watch your up-and-coming kid. Like, dude, first guy I ever qualified with, Dennis Roberts, his son plays now. I mean, I'm out there watching him like he's my own kid. Like, <laughs> for me, it's inspiring. And I love, unfortunately, dude, I spend way too much time on YouTube watching like inspiring, motivational videos. But that's just because... That's who I am to the core. I feel like I just love being inspired. And so, you know, living a life of like inspiration and, and trying to inspire, that's like, I feel like that's just what the world I'm always trying to be in and trying to encapsulate as much as possible. You know, it's being a dad, being, you know, a husband, trying to be an athlete still and like compete <laughs> at the highest level and then try to find what, dude, what's the next stage in life that I could take what I've learned. But it has to be something I'm like super uncomfortable with that I'm not great at yet. Like, mm. how do I do that? So for me, it's constantly like utilize what you're good at, be inspired and then transfer it into everything else in life. I love that, Casey. And, you know, we were talking earlier about choice and how you I, I feel like you just make a choice every day just to be the best version of yourself. Like, I is that true? Like, do you just wake up and be like, yep, that's that's my choice. Yeah. You know what? It's dude. It's seriously it's just kind of like it's like the DNA. It's just there, you know, ever since. Uh, I remember just being a young little kid going outside and trying to get my mom to go out and pitch to me so I could play baseball. Like, it's just been like, dude, I got to, I got to go. I got to improve. I got to do something. I got to go. I got to make it happen. And so I think that's 100% a choice that you make. And it wasn't always the easiest thing, you know, through a lot of times, maybe growing up at volleyball, not being the fastest or the strongest or the quickest, but having that as like a foundation and then being able to kind of ramp it up throughout your career or how you grow in whatever industry you're in. For me, that's kind of what, you know, I felt like that's who I am. It's just like, yeah. all right, what's the next thing or, or what, what's tomorrow? All right, let's go. Let's bring it. So that's definitely how I kind of see things when it comes to attacking life. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone can, can kind of tell that you're inspired when you're playing. And, and that's awesome. I love how energetic you are <laughs> and how much of an entertainer you are. But how about outside of the game? How do you stay inspired when you're away from the game? You know, dude, it's, it's funny. You know, just having children, it's interesting how much they change your life and how mm. you see them make like little incremental like advances and certain things that they love. And you're like, dude, wow, this is insane. Like, all right, I got to get that back. You know what I mean? Because you get to a certain level and it takes more and more to flip that switch on, right? Like, mm. all right, we're in Manhattan. It's day one. Like, well, that's tough. But if you're in the stadium and it's the finals, there's like, oh, that switch is easily flipped. Because like, oh, this is where I feel the most comfortable. 
So it's almost like you almost have to like reverse it all back again, where, you know, the little things get you excited. And so having my children be that for me and kind of reminders of like, oh, wow, you know, my son just did his first front flip on a trampoline. Like, dude, I remember mine, you know, 25 years ago. Wow. Okay. Like, dude, look how long it took him to figure that out. Or my daughter and she's figuring out how to ride a bike, like things like that. I think it's easy to stay inspired and constantly trying to grow because you're basically trying to like raise humans in that same way that, you know, you, uh, with that experience and knowledge that you had. So for me, it's having kids was a huge step once, uh, you know, I had them helping me kind of get that second wind in a way. Yeah, no, I love that. And we were talking earlier about like, you know, now you you have more time for other things, you know, now that we're in this quarantine, this kind of limbo stage, you know, yeah. and, and it, it's kind of almost fun to fill, fill your schedule up with, with <laughs> yeah. different things that you couldn't do before. Right. Right. Dude, here's how it feels to be honest. And at first it was like a little bit of a bummer because all the things that we get to do, go play and train for one, just the community of volleyball and how much therapy of therapy that is. I didn't realize, dude, going to the beach in that first 30 minutes while we're all warming up, heckling each other <laughs> and kind of John and like, Hey, what are you up to? I got a camp doing this or I'm over here doing that. Or, Hey, did you hear that? You know, Trevor said this on Instagram, you know, there's like all these funny things always going on. That's like therapeutic for us. It is. Yeah. And I, and I recognized that as soon as this happened, that was gone. And I was like, okay, now it's like, I feel like I'm a kid on summer vacation again, where I'm like, dude, what am I going to learn? I'm going to make some ninja stars today in the garage. Am I going to go learn how to do a wheelie on my bike? Like, those are all the things I've always wanted to do. Okay. Now let's take that into an adult version. It's like, all right, Hey, I wanted to have a better relationship with my kids and make sure they're a priority. I want to make sure I can work on those things in the gym that bother me for the last 10 seasons. All right, let's fix that. So that when it's time to go again, that's not a problem. Like my back feels better than it ever has because I've been like, okay, <laughs> let's really spend time instead of worrying about always competing or training. Um, let's work on being a better photographer. Let's work on, hey, video skills, editing, like dude, whatever I'm interested in. I feel like a little bit of a kid in summer vacation. I get to pick what I get to like focus on for two and a half, three months, yeah. which for me has been rad. It's been really cool. No, it's a great opportunity like right now. But since you mentioned uh, mentioned training, let's talk about practice, you know, because this project yeah. is all about the tools and how you right. implement those tools to help you stay inspired. So thinking back, I want you to answer this in two different ways. One as an athlete and one as, one as a dad um, and a husband, because um, that's a practice too, you know. But yeah. what does having an inspired practice mean to you? You know what I think having an inspired practice is your mentality leading up to it and getting your mind into the right, getting into the right mentality leading up to your practice so that you're available to actually consume the things that are valuable to you and then take those little wins with each skill that you're doing. If I just show up and I have an expectation of what I think is going to happen, that's the biggest downfall for me because I'm an emotional player. <laughs> Right. And so then it's a kick, you know, it's a Scotty Lane kick a ball into the water, so <laughs> run down the beach and just start cussing in my hands, you know, versus if I've come with a purpose and a plan, Hey, I'm going to do some meditation. Hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to work on making sure I dial in my jump serve down the middle. And whether I win or lose the drills, if I felt like I've improved at that thing, that specific skill, dude, I can walk off the beach and win. And that's, what's changed for me the most becoming more of a veteran player is I'm able to like, still have that emotion but i have regulators that help me keep it in check so that the progress actually happens versus just frustration for the rest of the day i mean dude how bad it used to ruin my day if i didn't accomplish those things that i was like really into or now if i have those bullet points in check i've got a program and an idea of what i need to get done for practice dude, it it the days and the things that happen after volleyball is over have definitely helped me a lot because now I can recover from an awful loss to a team that you feel like, dude, I ex expectation wise, I should beat this team. If I'm in a tournament, let's say they win, they have a great practice. Good for them. They did all these things, right. But I accomplished my goal. So I'm okay. Cause I know long-term I'm going to get those kids back. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of the mentality that's changed for me or used to be just full emotion and frustration. And if I wasn't jumping or feeling great or hitting as hard as I could, it was just like a big waste of a day. Sure. Where now it's every day is useful and productive. Love that. Productive. It reminds me of Karch. Karch Karai was thinking of, uh, was telling me about productive and unproductive thoughts. 
Um, yeah. and that's, uh, that's a good way to think about it. I, I actually, I, I just wrote down regulators. Can you just expand on what you mean by that? You said, you mentioned you have re- uh, regulators. Yeah, there's certain regulators that for me, having such an emotional dial of a roller coaster of like, either I'm playing as well as I ever have, or it's terrible. And I feel like everyone's judging me and they're probably saying crap and you start feeling that. And even you you start making things up kind of like when you're a kid running down the street at night and you're like, you don't know what's behind you. So you start running and looking at the same time and there's really nothing there. You're like, Oh my gosh, I gotta get home. <laughs> there's, there's there's dogs chasing me that don't exist. So I think it's like, look, we're not running from invisible dogs down the street. Those don't exist. So the way that you regulate that is that you have specific like check marks throughout a practice evaluations or even how Kevin Wong used to say he had to have a meeting with himself, like halfway through mm-hmm. practice, dude, hold on. I said, I need to have a meeting with myself. He'd go grab his pink Karchi hat and throw it on. <laughs> and then his whole mentality and, and, and uh, so like an emotional state would change because it's like, it was a reset. So those regulators are like mini resets throughout the day and whatever we're accomplishing. And so for me, it's like, okay, this thing go well, this thing go well, but Hey, that mini, that reset or that regulator that helped me get in check where now my mentality, I'm still able to overcome what I felt like just affected me more than it did. And I can stay in a good positive mental path and keep, keep dialing in what I wanted to do and my, you know, executing what I need to do. That's so awesome. And do you use that as a dad and off the court as well? Oh, dude, that's, that's an, an all encompassing mentality. I feel like, um, if I work out in the morning and make that a priority and get my mind right when I come home, I mean, I make it like yesterday worked out at five. Dude, there's nothing to train for right now, to be honest. Like we have no tournaments in sight. Right. And I'm like, I got to train just in case, you know, I, mean, I got to stay ready. So I, I train super early in the morning. And then I come home at like 6.30 when the kids wake up and I'm making breakfast burritos and fresh bacon and eggs and I'm cooking like ham and hash browns. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. Versus the, like today I didn't. Dude, I was struggling. I'm, I'm frustrated and irritated at everything. Mm. And so it really does like that regulator, knowing that that is what makes me the, my best self. Just knowing that is you know, most of the battle. So now I have that regulator to like wake up, get it done so that I come back and I'm a dad that kids want to be around versus just like grumpy guy that's just doing it because he's stuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. quarantine. So that's for sure. It does. It goes through all channels of life. Love that. Um, let's talk about games and, and the inspired game and what the, what the main difference is between an uninspired game and an inspired game. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like I said before, having that like, not having a specific expectation and being in the moment is truly being expired. Uh, sorry, inspired. Right. Um, when you've got this expectation of perfection, yeah, we can all want to be perfect, but if the result isn't there and it derails everything, you know, that inspiration starts to dwindle. You start to lose that fire and that vision of what really, what, what really is being inspired Dude, it's being in the moment and finding that there's so many words for it, the flow state, yeah. I mean, the zone. Yeah. And that's because you're actually in that moment and you've prepared and you don't have this, you know, <laughs> unreachable expectation of how you're going to play. You're just playing each skill, each specific point at a time. And so for me, that's how I like to approach it. And I think being inspired for me also is initially when I come into a, like, let's say a match example, no matter who it is, my mentality is this is probably going to be the hardest match I've ever played. Because then what happens, dude, if this team team plays amazing until 14 points, dude, I already knew that these guys were going to play the best match of their life. I knew this was going to be the hardest match for me to win. I'm not at this like, dude, what's happening? Why aren't we playing well? We should be crushing these guys or why aren't we stopping them? Or what are you, what, you know what I mean? There's no, like, there's no deflection. There's no internal struggle. You just know that it's going to be hard and you go out and you work hard. And then in the moment you become inspired. And then that's when things start happening in a positive way. So I think that's how I like to live inspired. It's like, understand that everything's hard. Go out and just be in the moment and react in the moment that blocker dives angle thump it line if he pulls let him know about it but don't expect that to happen you know what i mean yeah and so that's that's you know sorry i'm like this i like go in so many different paths no but, it's great uh that's <laughs> so to be honest like i've kind of found out that's how i stay inspired before during after is just kind of being in that moment and trying to you know understand that it's everything's hard family yeah. kids work making money when there's no money to be made right now 
Like it's, it's always like that. So for me, like this isn't really that different. This is another beach volleyball season for me. Got to go out and earn every dollar. Yeah, no, I love that approach. Um, you know, I, it reminds me of this GoPro video that I found of you and it's awesome. I'm actually going to leave the link to it. Um, <laughs> but you talk about when you win, it's not just for you. It's for that entire group, your family, your coach, your right. teammate. I wanted to ask, ask you to just kind of talk about winning and, and, and losing as well. Cause that's a yeah. big part of this whole picture. Yeah, dude, to be honest, winning never feels as good as it should unless you have a team, a support team around you that you're like, everyone's truly invested. And that's whether that's your best friend, your mom, your kids, your family, your strength coach, your mental psychologist, you know what I mean? Your sports psych, your nutritionist, yeah. like during those times when you're winning and you have that, dude, that's what makes it the most valuable. Mm. So for me, winning just to win because I go and train by myself and then I have no one to share it with. That's kind of losing in a way. It's mm. just like, I'm not really winning because I don't get to go talk about it. I don't get to share with people. I don't get to talk about three months ago when I didn't think I could play anymore. And then we end up winning, you know, like, yeah, that is, that's the true win. That's the win within Love life that. in general. And so that's something that Jake Gibb taught me from day one was you have to build the right team around you because if you have that right team, losing, winning, doesn't matter. Everyone's all together and we're all putting in the work and we all have stories to tell, whether it was the worst loss ever or the greatest win ever. You've got this like amazing team around you that helps you stay in the moment. And, and then also maybe flashback to things that help you if things aren't going well. So for me, sure. that's like a, that's a win, win loss mentality is that if you don't have the right team around you, both of those are less valuable. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, could you expand a little bit on losing? Because losing is a big part of this picture as well. Um, yeah. And you had mentioned before that you had a, you used to have a hard time internally with losing, and you called you actually <laughs> called yourself a terrible loser. Um, yeah. And just just talk about how that has evolved as you've matured. Yeah, dude, as you know, because we used to battle back in the day. <laughs> you put everything you can into this like dream and hope of being a winner and honing your craft and perfecting it and making it something that you can make some money with because you love it so much. And so it's what every entrepreneur that's made, you know, huge moves in their careers, like, dude, do what you love. If you're passionate about it, that's, you know, that's where you're going to find the most success. And then yeah. you're like, we both, you know, for a good amount of our life, pick something that doesn't always love you back as much as you love it. And there's not always the right amount of money that you feel like you put in the time and the work for. And so losing for me was like, man, I'm putting everything into this. And if I lose, like what's, there's no like, well, at least I made some money. It's like, I didn't make anything. So it's just like <laughs> everything comes down. It's just, you're just in an elevator that doesn't work anymore and it's going straight down to the bottom. So for me, that was that feeling, that gut-wrenching, awful, terrible feeling where I was just angered, every emotion possible. And I it used to take me so long to try to recover from that. And, uh, yeah, there's so many scenarios I could share. I am terrible. I hated losing. I hate it. I don't love it now, but I'm saying I just really had a hard time with it. Well, I'm inspired looking back on, uh, your journey and specifically our battle. Cause one of my highlights was beating you in the <laughs> Manhattan open qualifier in 2007 with, oh, uh, Greg wow. Garrett, shout out to Greg Garrett. But oh. here's why, here's why I'm inspired though, because you took that loss and two years later you won an, a freaking AVP championship in Brooklyn with, uh, Ty Loomis, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. so uh, talk about that bounce back. Yeah. Uh, dude. I actually remember that match really like clearly because I remember it being, I mean, a little bit down from the stadium, kind of close to that, like that hill. Yep. <laughs> I, I remember being like, all right, dude, those were the death matches because, you know, friends and family are watching, but you're so far from the stadium. And it was always easier for us to play a little bit closer, right? Because there's more people watching the bigger stage. Dude, we were battling and I just remember like putting so much into this and I just come off kind of playing indoor and deciding like, Hey, I want to play more beach and kind of make this a career pressure from my wife. Like, well, you only have like two or three years to make it. And if you don't, you've got to pick another path. So I'm like thinking of all these things and you're just chopping away. You're scooping just like, dude, I mean, you guys were on fire and I was awful. It was that exact thing, an expectation of, okay, I want to have the best game of my life. So I can go and qualify. Dude, it was really tough. And I remember walking off for like 
past the bathroom right there and just walking down the strand forever. I think I got to Hermosa and then turned around and I left my wife there. I mean, dude, it was awful. But then like flip side, those are the greatest experiences and life lessons for me and, and uh, memories to like pull from. Because it's like, right. dude, that feeling comes back and you're like, wow, I'm gonna do whatever I can so that that never happens again. So mm. dude, thank you. I appreciate that. So part of that, part of that, uh, that win goes to you. I'll send the check give some percentages. Yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago. I probably spent it all, but there's probably a couple hundred bucks in there for you. <laughs> no, it's so rad. Cause you took that, you won an AVP, then you won multiple AVPs, then you become an Olympian. I mean, you just, you use that as fuel and, and uh, I'm not crediting all that to, to us at that time, but it was just so cool to watch your journey from that moment. You take a quote unquote low moment or something, um, and you turn it into this career, you know, it's really inspiring. Yeah, that was a crazy, dude, it's kind of crazy looking back at all those type of losses in the qualifier to like get in and then losing and being like, well, what's the point? Right. Dude, it's crazy. Like, cause you could easily have given up or the AVP going bankrupt in 2010 and being like, all right, what do we do now? This is what I've decided to do. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All those stages, dude, they really set the tone for who fuel, you are and right? what you truly want to do. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. And fuel. Yeah. yeah. Dude, oh, massive fuel because it's just, I mean, fuel and a chip on the shoulder. Like, dude, I've got to, like, this is for me and then for everyone, whoever thought I couldn't do it. And then also whoever, everyone who thought I could, mm. you know what I mean? Or who does believe in me. Like, let's just, let's feed off that every day and let that fuel the fire. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that's awesome, man. Um, let's talk about mindset. I just want to, can you give us a little glimpse of the, the Casey Patterson mindset during a game? And because you're such an emotional player and you're such an entertainer, I'm curious what's going through your mind in between plays. Yeah, dude, a lot of things happen leading up and then in between each play. A lot of times it's, it's a sense of what's the feeling on the court right now? Who's the down ref? Who's up <laughs> refing? It's like, it's like little reminders. Okay, Feely's on the top. Rick's down low. Olmstead's <laughs> down low. Okay, Rick's going to give me a hard time. He's going he's gonna to try to like call something on me that might not happen just to get in my head a little bit because he loves we just have like a fun relationship there B Lee's not gonna do anything because we're best friends and we've never lost in Santa Barbara as a partnership uh who are we playing is it Trevor do I need to kind of deflect some of his his energy towards me or is it Taylor and Jake and they're just gonna silently just attack you and pick you apart or you know what I mean it's like okay who am I playing what's the vibe how am I gonna utilize all of that into my to advantage to my advantage um, what kind of stress do I feel right, right now? Dude, it's weird. There's mm. so way too many thoughts. What kind of stress do I feel right now? How can I bounce that stress and give it to them? Okay. What are some things can I, how can I, you know, I add some wrinkles maybe to, uh, bounce that stress off and start to feel and find that flow and get back to where I can play my game. Or if I'm playing my game, how do I keep it? And what am I going to do? How am I going to help my partner understand that I'm all in for him? The things that I've recognized, what I'm going to do to help him our mentality going forward for the next point, dude, it's way too many thoughts. Sometimes it's a, it's a crutch, but that's, yeah. that's kind of like an in the moment between points thought process for me. <laughs> oh, and who's heckling me from where and how I'm going to make sure that they, once we beat their team, become fans of ours and take it. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about that because actually that's actually a skill to, to be so enthralled in the moment, to have all those thoughts going on, try to freaking win the game, but also be a showman, you know? And, and, and <laughs> yeah. I, I I, I commend you for that because it does take energy. And, but I want to, I want to ask you about that. Cause before you had said, you want to make people feel what I love doing. And that's a quote yeah. from you. Yeah. And you also said, I want to make everyone enjoy it. Talk about that for a minute. Dude, that's one of the most important things. When you love something, that's rad. So that's the first thing is like, you've found something that you absolutely love. Now, Phil shows that through being absolutely dominant, right? <laughs> right. Well, I don't have that physical dominant ability. So I've got to, and what it's always kind of been inside me is being able to be a little bit of a showman and entertain a little bit. And I always love entertaining part of the game, the long rallies, the guys that love talking to the crowd, Casey Jennings throwing the ball back and forth to the volunteer. You know what I mean? Um, for me, that was always something that I love and appreciated other players doing. So for me, being able to do that, that's something that just, I want to add elements of engagement for these people because if I'm watching and, and you get an ACE and you turn around and you talk to me, Hey, remember uh, Manhattan 2007? <laughs> I'd be like, what? That's a, 
dude, you know what I mean? Like now you've got like, you've won me, dude. I'm all in. Like, if you don't win, I'm going to be just as bummed as you. And I'm on your side and I'm stoked for you. So for me, it's finding little moments like that all the time where if a guy's heckling me for the opposing team, you know, I'll always go up and, you know, I'll heckle back and forth, but I'll do it in a nice way. And if we win, I'll go like, give them high fives. Like you guys, you made that so much more fun. Thank you. Like it's, it's a team effort in a way, you know? And so I love being able to interact with the fans, positive, negative, doesn't matter. Like that part for me is like the essence of beach volleyball. So that's where I'm my most comfortable is in those moments. And when you're dancing and doing all your moves and, and, and hyping <laughs> up the crowd, I mean, what, what, yeah. what is that? Like how, how much of the game do you give to that in that moment? Is it like just a five second thing and then you snap right back in? Yeah, that's a, that's a quick, you know, five to six seconds. Once a great play happens, it's find that guy in the crowd. If the music, if DJ Roche hits a great tune, it's, oh, dude, this is time to dance because that's, you're just letting out how you feel. And so, uh, yeah, that's those moments in between and, and those, those highlights are, that's just me being able to like be me. I love it, man. Um, let's stay on emotion for a second. Cause like I said, emotions are a big part of this. So I want to know how you manage your emotions, uh, in the game and when you're away from the game. Yeah, that's a, uh, a great question because i think for most athletes that's probably the hardest thing to manage right right our emotions and what we perceive is so much different than maybe what our coach sees from the side or what the fans see or what people see on tv everyone's version or perspective is so much different so as an athlete it's like even the hardest because we're the most critical in ourselves so managing that emotion in a high pressure situation is the hardest thing to do knowing that you did it wrong and not just turning yelling, yeah, I know I did this wrong. I should have done this and this to like everyone. You're like, why is he explaining himself? It's like, because we know mid play, mid swing, oh, this is a wrong choice sometimes, you know? And so managing that is really hard for athletes. And, but I think owning that you know that, owning that you're the hardest critic on yourself and being able to move on. Okay, now what's the step? How do I now, how do I manage this so that I can move on? I think one of the first things that helped me was at BYU, I went from being a setter to an opposite. Well, setter to an outside, to a libero to an opposite. So I play like every <laughs> position. <laughs> uh, and I got, I was so frustrated when I started attacking them, being an attacker, when guys would block me. It was really hard because I was all in and wanted every play to be epic. And I, once I was okay with that happening once in a while and understanding that it's the long game, then that, dude, it really just almost dissipates and goes away completely. And that emotion of like not feeling like you're playing how you should, it really goes away. So I think being okay and understanding that there's a long process in, in these wins and this uh, kind of progression in how you play and learn to win, that's huge. So for me, that was like being okay with specific things happening and that other teams make great plays. Hey, right. I can't get pissed that I can't get everything. I can appreciate that they made a great play. And that instantly changes my emotion. So that's it doesn't... Cool. I'm kind of staying a little bit more calm. And that's like a Todd Rogers thing, right? You see Todd, that's his game, dude. He's like, oh, good swing case. You know, if, you know, oh, good, good tool off the block. That's a great play by him. He's just like, you're okay with it. I'm like, dude, I used to get so frustrated with that. Right. But I think that, that mentality and that lesson and then applying that into your game, that's helped the most for me. Okay, that's great. Speaking of Todd Rogers and speaking of you as an Olympian, I want you to talk about the emotional management side of the Olympics because the Olympics, yeah, you know, that's that it's just another tournament, but it's not. It's also the peak right. of athletic achievement. So talk yeah. about your emotional management during that that tournament. Yeah, I think during the Olympics, everything's heightened, like you said. There's a lot more media, there's a lot more fans from home watching that like want you to win, your family's there way more eyeballs than you've ever had in your entire life. So that emotion, you could say you have kind of a control of that, but to be honest, that's, that's real tough to do. And it's impossible for most people. Um, yeah. That emotion during that time, it's crazy because you're just getting tossed like so many things. Like I'm so excited to be here at the same time. I know I should be, you know, performing well. I prepared and put in so much time for this. I earned my way here. So I know I've put in the work. I can trust that it, it's going to work for me. Um, you know, and, and managing all of that, that, that part is, you know, I, I don't know how to def, like exactly explain that. That's just, it's a tornado in your mind, but I think how you get grounded and how I like eventually got a hold of it was the DJs were the same that had been on the world tour for the last six years. I've been playing there. The announcers were my buddies from Brazil. Um, 
all the referees I've known and become friends with and like acquaintance acquaintances of um, all the players. We play these teams so many times before. So then you like start to level down. You're like, oh yeah, this is just another tournament. And you forget about the TV, you forget about the media, you forget about everything and you just do what you love. And so I think managing that emotion was something that referencing back to all of that time and the buildup getting there really helped in the moment. You're like, oh yeah, this is just another Grand Slam event for me. And then it completely flipped. But the, the emotion heightened when we were in the tunnel about to walk out in the opening ceremonies when all the athletes were in this dark tunnel and we've been walking back and forth for two, three hours. Everyone's tired. We have blisters. And we get there at the tunnel right before they announce us and it's all dark and all, everyone just starts chanting USA. And you're like, wow, everyone's just like tearing up and that feeling of everyone coming together. And the last four years, everyone had that same similar trajectory of putting everything they had early mornings, tough times, making money, not making money, like struggling family. That was the emotional, like pinnacle of my life when it really came to the sporting world. It was like, dude, this is epic. And that really helped kind of level it out. I'm like, oh, we're all here. We've all done the same thing. Let's go. So I think managing that emotion and referencing back to all that hard work and the path that it took to get there and the team that led you there, that really helps you kind of like level it out so that in the moment you're just free as a bird and you're able to react and, and uh, make the best of each play. I love it, man. Um, and would you say that you've used those experiences like the Olympics or like the Manhattan Open win or, or some of these other wins you've had on the world tour, you've used that emotional management into your personal life? As oh, well? absolutely. Absolutely. Cause there's dude, there's so much expectation within yourself and then actually getting those wins and then looking back and realizing what it actually took to get there mm-hmm. puts you in that immediate moment now where you feel like, dude, this is maybe too hard or this is a really stressful scenario. When in reality, it's not. You're just creating that out of nowhere. You know, you're putting that on yourself. Right. So if you have somewhere to reference from, like those experiences for me is a, a, a perfect reference for me to pull in and be like, no, I can handle anything. I just have to figure out a process. Let's, it's a new process. Let's figure it out. Let's do it. So for right. me, that's, that's uh, absolutely something I reference in like everyday life. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, for instance, now I'm kind of rambling. You can maybe cut this out. No, no, go ahead. Like, go ahead. You're good. Dude, the way, the way that an athlete for a beach volleyball player, the way that the landscape has changed for us is so much more drastic than when we even got out of college and we're starting to do it until now. It's so different. Right. I mean, guys were making such great money. TV was such a big thing. Now that's all changing, right? No one's really watching TV and watching commercials. They're on live feeds or they're on, you know, they're on Amazon. They're on, you know, streaming YouTube or, or whatever. And so brands and that whole landscape changed too and how you get sponsors, right? And then how the prize money changes for the tournaments and how you trap, dude, everything's changed. So having those wins to reference from and learning from those experience and being adaptive, that's one of the biggest things is being able to adapt and move on. Because if you can and you keep thinking in the old ways, well, dude, why isn't a company paying me 40 grand to put a tattoo on my arm? Dude, listen, that's not valuable for them anymore. This is what's valuable. All right, okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go become this for them so that that way I can still do what I love doing. Mm. So that's, dude, I don't know if I'm where I am on the topic right now, but that for sure is something that has changed within our sport that helps us be more successful. Yeah, no, that adapt. emotional management and that ability to adapt and really it's it's about pivoting, right? That's, yeah. that's kind of what you're saying is the ability to pivot from one direction to the other. Dude, that's it's funny that you just said that because I'm actually going to start launching my own podcast called Pivoting. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. I, dude, with my buddy because he's an actor and he's had to pivot as well. And so how the landscape's changed. I mean, it's with anyone in any industry, like we all are constantly having to evolve and adapt. So that emotional pivot is massive because if you've got kind of like cornerstones you that you can anchor yourself to that pivot or that ad, ad, emotional adaption is easy because you can always reference back to that you can always reference back to those things where you were successful okay what did it take oh it was hard all right cool this is hard too i can get there love it i'll make sure it's a link to uh, your podcast right here as well <laughs> yeah sweet <I> um <laughs> Well, let's pivot a little bit right now and, and go back to the game and talk about flow. Can you identify when you are in the game, in the flow? Yeah, we all know that feeling of the game just slowing down. 
and you're in control of a lot of what you perceive to be happening and what your body actually reacts and does. And I think that's the, the flow state is you start to guess a lot less. You start to, there's a lot less expectation of what you think is going to happen. And you're actually focused on the right things and reacting in the moment. And I feel like that goes back to the thing that I love talking about, like the stress and bouncing it back and forth, right? It's a game of stress. Now, if I can do things that get me into that flow state or that pocket where now I'm in control and the stress is on you, dude, that's the, the best state of mind to be in. And that wow. goes back to what we just talked about, like that emotional adapting emotionally, that integrated immediately. Hey, if I'm holding and going and like if I'm holding on defense and I'm not getting anything, okay, don't let that emotion get too high. Adapt. Get into that flow state by, hey, let's change up the techniques we worked on that get you back into where you're reading really well. And you're able to kind of get some digs and contribute for your team. So, you know, those, all those things combined are something that for me is, is the flow state. And that is how I get into the zone is that I don't have just one answer. And it's not just this is how I get there. It's there's seven to eight different things that help me stay in it or find it. And then once I'm there, I use those as well to stay in it. So for me, that flow state is so many different variables, but it all comes down to me is stress. When I'm playing a 12 year old who loves beach volleyball and I go play a pickup game, I'm going to dig every ball because I'm not stressed. This kid's going to like hammer a ball. He's going to shoot every time. So I'm just chilling and I'm able to go do that. Now you got Phil hitting at you. There's a lot more stress, right? And there's, you try to overthink what's going to happen. So you end up just like mentally exploding before he attacks the ball because you don't have a calm, free mind. You're stressed right. out and you're, you're overthinking everything. Mm. So if you can go find that game that you play as a 12 year old and apply it to when you're playing Phil and be okay with letting him hit a two foot line hammer, but getting the ones that you need to get, that's that flow state where you're okay with him throwing some stress and you're dodging it, deflecting it or sending it back so that you can stay calm and, uh, you can read the situation better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have the intention to find that flow state every time you play, or do you just kind of allow it to come? Yeah, I think the intention is 100% there. I think understanding and accepting that that's somewhere you want to be, that's okay. And I think utilizing all your skills and the different tactics to get you there, that's the process. Sometimes it comes sooner, sometimes it comes later. Sometimes you don't find it at all and you try everything. And those are the games that you learn from. And so like, okay, what other wrinkle do I need to add to help me find that flow state? And I think that's the same thing with life. Hey, if I make sure I work out in the morning, guess what? I'm finding that flow state with my kids a lot sooner than if I didn't, then I've got to find a different way to get there. Um, or at work with, you know, helping with companies or brands that I'm working with, like, all right, this didn't work. You know, I can reference some other things and find other wrinkles to help me get to that state. Yeah. Can you mention just a few specific tools that you would use in that moment to try to find that flow state? I, I, I think breathing is probably one of them, that full yeah. deep breath. Um, can you just expand on that a little bit for you? Yeah. For me, one is communication. Talking to my partner. Hey, where are we right now? How do we feel? What do we see? Those things right there is like, okay, let's eliminate um, preconceived notions of what we think they they they're thinking as well let's let's eliminate all that confusion and come together second it's like okay let's take some deep breaths let's calm each other down that's something that i use a lot in a serve receive or tight pressure situations hey be free and jake and i used to talk about that a lot hey let's be free love, um, that. love that let's uh let's reset that was something that he got from stein reset and so before every you know let's say there's a tight match and they finally score a real point on to receive, we'd always talk to each other, hey, reset, reset. And so we would just be like, Boop, okay, flip the switch on and off again. All right, let's start fresh. Let's not let it keep going and let them get multiple points. I love that because that's like a keyword that just kind of snaps yeah. you right back in. Yeah. Dude, I love that. And I love that he, he grabbed that from Stein and kept using it. That for me, that was, I mean, I was in charge of saying it too. So, I mean, I adopted it and ran with it. And like set, I mean, it was, he was probably sick of hearing it, but it really does, dude. It really works. There's, there's a thing that Tyler Hilderman used to have us do that Karchi did where he'd, he'd rub his fingers together so slowly that you could feel the finger, like the indents of your fingerprints on your thumbs. And what it does it take your mind into like a sensory feeling or like, okay, you know, we can't think of anything else. 
Dude, all those little things turning wow. around, looking off of the court, stepping off the court, stepping back on. I think having a multiple lineup of these things is really the only answer to successful outcomes and what you what you want to achieve. It's never just one answer. It's I never love it. just jump high. It's never just work hard. It's work hard and be smart. You know what I mean? It's and then add multiple things on top of that. So those are all the little things that I think I would do. Um well, that I have done. I've kind of also every year I've established a few of my new favorites, like with Rich Blamborn and I have this mental cue throughout points on uh, server receive techniques. And I would go through every year and add three different ones and I'd just run with those. And the next year we'd get three new ones and I'd run with those. It just keeps refreshing that mentality and reaching back into, hey, how do I stay engaged mentally? How do I, how do I reset myself in between a big point that I lost? So all those things have helped a ton. I love it. I just had Rich on recently. He's awesome. Um, do you, and last question about flow. Do you think it's possible to practice it and then bank that feeling for the game? Or do you, do you Dude, just have to say that? Cause I, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like me kind of being loud and, and entertaining and crazy and talking trash mid swing or yelling at Troy or whoever not to pull on me or what are you doing? Like when we're doing defense drills, I always say those things and imagine them every time because it inspires me. Ty Trambley used to train in Huntington with next dude. I love training against and with shout out Ty Trambley. Dude, Ty Trambley. He'd be on, let's say he'd get early and get court one. I'd be already upset that he got court one. (laughs) I'd go to court two and then we'd be doing defense transition coach on the ladder hammering. And I would just be yelling it like I was playing Ty and talking to him the whole time, scooping him. You're easy. And then why are you running line hitting angle? Like I was practicing those things. So then in the match on like a stadium court, dude, that felt normal and natural. So 100% you practice those things that help you find that comfort and that level of like in the moment zone flow state. 100% I practice those. That's cool, dude. That's really good to hear because everyone has a different take on that. It is a very personal thing, you know, and that's why I love to ask that question. Yeah. Um, Awesome, man. Let's talk about sources, Casey. Yeah. Uh, you, you kind of already mentioned this a little bit, but expand on this more. Where do you get inspiration from? And before you answer that, I think you get inspiration from everywhere. That's dude. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. From watching an inspirational Disney movie. I mean, dude, to watching film on YouTube of guys that I used to look up to in high school, like going back, dude, it's weird. Cause watching a John Hyden when he had the huge Billy goat thing (laughs) in the Olympics come in and just take over and lead that team when he wasn't really getting a lot of playing time. He comes in, he's in an X two ball and thumping. He's bombing his serve. He's scooping and siding out. I'm like, who is this guy? He's gnarly. Like I remember him specifically. And then I'd play him on ABP. I'm like, dude, that's John Hyden. And then we had like one of the gnarliest rivalries for four years ever. And I'm like, I'm, it was always weird. I'm still playing against this guy. So I would find inspiration through that. Then it was, you know, I'm watching some dude on, you know, a specific, uh, a different sport, dude. It could even be cornhole and watch this guy hit four in a row. And you're like, what? Dude, I'm inspired. Look at that technique and how he was so controlled and his mentality. Maybe not the cargo shorts that he's wearing, but <laughs> you know, I'd be like, dude, watching Rudy. I love watching Rudy and just being like, dude, that was me in school. That's me in life. Like, let's go. Like, I, I've 100% find it in everything I can do. Or any, any possible scenario. Watch, I mean, going to a restaurant, the server's killing it. He's keeping us laughing. He's not interrupting us too much. Like, dude, I'm inspired by this guy. I got to know his name. Dude, it's everywhere. So yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> the most inspiring people to me take that approach. They just find inspiration everywhere, even, even in the uninspiring places. Like, right. are, there, are there moments in your life that you can think back of that maybe are like negative or dark or and, yeah. and that, like we talked about the, you know, me beating you, that loss, but like, right. are there other things that have helped you find inspiration there? Yeah, I think 100%. Let's say, dude, scenario, I'll just go back to volleyball again because that's our world. Is yeah. 2010, I'm playing with Kevin Wong, Olympian. He's got me already to like two semifinals. We almost beat Todd and Phil in uh, Bel- uh, Belmar, New Jersey. Dude, it was gnarly. I'm like, dude, I just got my first real sponsorship, Rockstar. They signed a three-year deal with me. I'm making, you know, 25K a year for the next three years. I'm like, dude, I made it. This is, And that's nothing compared to other guys. But I was so stoked. It was my first yeah. one. Yeah. And I'm with an Olympian now who asked me to play with him. I'm like, dude, I'm on the path. I'm doing it. And then the tour just goes bankrupt and it's gone. And I'm like, 
wait, this is all I'm doing now. This is what I've decided to do. Like, I'm a volleyball player. I'm a beach volleyball player now. I've, that's who I am. What do I do? I don't have any way of making money. I don't know where, where am I going to live? What am I going to do? And I was just newly married. I had a kid. Like, dude, what am, how am I going to provide my family? It was right. like really scary. And so instead of trying to find a different path, I was just stubborn in a way. I was just too stubborn. And I decided I'm going to keep volleyball as a priority and still make it happen. I would go get jobs. I went back to indoor and got jobs in Puerto Rico. I would go and play overseas. I went and played in Japan on their beach tour for a whole season. I went and got, uh, and they would sponsor me. And I started playing with Brad Keenan on the world tour. And that was my first experience on the world tour and kind of qualifying. And so I just did whatever I could. I was coaching three club teams, two high school teams, <laughs> coaching privates. I would wake up at four, train people as a personal trainer at a gym until like seven. And then I'd go back and then get ready for practice. And then I'd go coach at night. Dude, I mean, wow. It was gnarly, but I just did whatever I could to, to make it happen because I had this like weird internal feeling like, hey, I've got, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I just need to like get through this time and get through this, this point in life where I feel like I've got to go, what do I got to go just be a coach and work my way up the ladder and that's all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, don't get me wrong. I love coaching and that's one of the coolest things ever. And now that's actually what I want to do. So it, like, but I wasn't ready for it back then. Mm. You know, I was like, I wasn't ready for it then. So that was one of those times where it really took a lot of, you know, grit, hard work, and just like being positive in that moment and staying inspired by all of those things we talked about yeah. watching those movies understanding people that are great at their craft and appreciating it and like following it and watching it. And dude, that was crazy. That's rad, man. I much respect just for, just for the way that you operate. I, I told you this before, but like you inspire me because you choose to be like that at all times. You choose to find inspiration everywhere. That's a choice. And it's also a skill. And um, w would you say that, you know, it took you some time to acquire that skill or did you just have that right away? No, I think being inspired by things was always a skill, but finding them in different places that I didn't initially find them became a skill that I had to like develop. Yeah. Finding them in, in, in ways and in scenarios that normally I wouldn't have paid attention to. Right. Um, that definitely was a skill that I acquired. Yeah. Just through like, dude, just through living life and, and experiencing other things and appreciating those things, it slowly developed and got better and better so that you were able to, really just appreciate anyone and anything they do and find some dude that's inspiring okay let's add that to something i want to do later on you know love yeah. that man i love that that appreciation i for me that's tool number one you know yeah. other than health and family you know those are right there as well but like sure. the, yeah appreciation you know agreed and and just like this whole project i just want you to get a quick visual like my goal is to help everyone develop a tool belt a toolkit kind of like batman you know that that Tool Dude, belt that Batman I love has. that you say that because that's how I coach. Yeah. Cool. I say a tool belt and we've got tools to fix every problem. Yeah, man. Dude, yeah. I love it. That's so rad. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Well, hey, let's let's jump right into this lightning round. And again, answer all these questions however you want to, but uh, I'll try to fly through them. Yeah. How do you define success and what does being successful mean to you? I feel like finding or understanding what success is and finding that is is evaluating who you, you have around you and the team that you've put in place because without them, you don't really have it and you don't know what it is. So for me, that's kind of success is my support team and those who uh, believe in me. Awesome. How do you consider the idea of failure? Whew. Considering the idea of failure, that is something that I think grasping what it is and what you see it is and the things that you do, understanding that, you know, and, and situate or putting it to a place where like, okay, when this happens, that is considered failure. And then immediately realizing it's not because that's just a learning experience. And that gives you the opportunity to um, push the envelope and grow as a human. So, and I know a lot of athletes say that, but that dude, it's, that's how it is. Failure. It's never like, it's almost an unattainable thing because it's just, you know, a roadblock to what you want to do or what goal you have that you want to achieve. I would say a lot, not of athletes say that, but a lot of champions say that different. Ooh, okay. 
Wow, I'm getting deep. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> what are what, what are the most successful habits that you do on a consistent basis? Um, most successful habits are prioritizing the things that I know make me happy and making sure that if I don't feel happy, looking back and seeing did I did I follow the steps that of those priorities? If I didn't, there's a reason why I feel this way. So understanding those things cool. and understanding who you are and how you work as a human, that's huge. Mm. Once you find those pro- those steps and that process, um, that it takes that eliminates all of those possible obstacles in my mind. I love how you said understanding who you are. Dude, I, I mean, whoever is listening to this, when this gets uh, released, that's really what this is all about. You right. know, like I wish I, I, I kind of picked up on that earlier as a, as a teenager, as a child, as a, as a emerging athlete trying to figure out my place in this whole thing. It's like understanding who you are is the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Dude, hundred yeah. percent. Instead of who you want to be or who you think you should be, who or are compa- you right now? Yeah. Or comparing. Yeah. Stop yeah. comparing yourself to that guy. Like, who are you? All right, yeah. let's build off that. And then let's, let's go. <laughs> Love that dude. Um, okay. So <laughs> the next question. So every guest that comes on, I think of one word to try to best describe them. And, um, I'm going to ask you what you think your word is in a second, okay. but I'm going to tell you the word that I came up with. Uh, well, I came up with two. Um, the first one is entertainer. Cause I was just thinking like how you, how you entertain, but the, the word that comes to mind is passion. You know, you, you've embodied that word for, your game, the way you play the game, the way you handle yourself, the way you, I'm assuming the way you're a family man. Um, does that resonate with you? Dude, a hundred percent. I've been asked that a few times within like, you know, talking to reporters or media or just like doing uh, youth speaking and talking to them. Dude, passion is 100% like what I love and like in everything possible passion is 100% the thing that makes me who I am and helps me be hopefully the like spark plug in every situation. And so for me, that's it, dude. Passion is the word I would use as well. I nailed it then, huh? (laughs) Dude, you nailed it. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. Um, What is the most important lesson that has helped shape who you are today? I think understanding that if you really, dude, it's understanding that if you really have a clear path of what you want and understanding who you are, you can get there. Mm. I think that's something that a lot of people mention, but dude, it's, there's a reason why it's because it's true. You look back on a lot of these athletes or a lot of successful people, like dude, they had to really grind and get through a lot of different obstacles and adapt to get to where they are. And I think being able to reference back to that and share those experiences more than the winning experiences, that's how it's done. Mm-hmm. I think constantly referring back to that is how you stay sharp and it's how you stay inspired. It's how you stay emotionally, all the things we talked about. Today. Yep. 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 That really is how I see it. Would you say vulnerability is a huge part of that? Yes. 100%. Yeah. You've got to be able to look silly. You've got to be able to embarrass yourself and, and rebound out of it. You know, there's always that guy or that, that athlete that does something goofy and then they, spin it and make you laugh or they just accept it. And everyone's like, dude, how really being able to accept that is a big part of it. And that was one of the hardest things for me, but when you can, that helps you look past those moments to, to success for sure. That's a great one. Can you share the biggest challenge you've been through on your journey? Yeah, I think my biggest challenge on my journey is, um, never really having that starting spot in life or on a team. I was never really a starter. And I think long-term that was the best thing for me. I think all that did was keep me hungry and it kept me focused on the things that I needed to do. I mean, dude, I was putting on the goofy jump soles. I was running by myself, dude, all those things that you were just dreaming and passionate about doing all of those things helped me get to where I was. And so I, I think never having those opportunities, like being a starter, being in a limelight, I mean, I've been to one national championship and lost. And then BYU won the next year. I mean, like, dude, there's all the end that I wasn't there. There's all these things that I just missed what I thought was what should have happened. 
but all of those things ended up giving me a way greater outcome through that path. So the harder path was 100% the way that it should have happened for me. So I think love that that's the way that, you know, for me, that's, that was my path. I love that. Um, as a coach, you mentioned uh, some coaching stuff. What's yeah. the biggest challenge you see for your athletes today? I think the biggest challenge is taking a step back and actually realizing what they need to do to accomplish it and accepting some new information and failing. Being able to fail 10 to 20 times when everyone's watching or they're around all their peers so that their outcome long-term is actually successful in what coach is trying to explain. Because right now, everyone wants the immediate result. You know, it's the swipe, it's the like, it's, I mean, mm -hmm. everything's so quick, right? Uh, I want to watch TV and I'm going to stream it because I don't want commercials. Like, hey, we get it immediately. And so it's the same thing. I mean, our brain is, we're basically training it to just want results. So if we're able to accept failure and feel how that feels and how uncomfortable it is and be able to come out on top with hitting that one that feels right and remembering it, logging it, and then moving on from there and understanding that that's the true way of like growing. That for me is as a coach, the priority. Mm. Value bombs, man. Value bombs today. <laughs> I love it. Uh, how important is the idea of having impact to you? Yeah, I think having impact is super important because, for example, as a father, I could tell my kids over and over again, do something. But let's say you come over. We talk about our journey and how you've done all these things and what you're doing now. And then you say something to my kids and they're like, wow, Alex said that. I'm like, dude, come on. That's because of your impact, right? So that's so valuable. So impact in general is a dude, it's a really, really valuable thing. And especially as a coach, as an athlete, as a someone that anyone looks up to, we don't really understand the impact that we have or who's watching. And so you just have to know that you always are impacting people because like I said, I could say something 10 times, but if you say something and they listen once, your impact is significantly higher to that person. So it's so valuable. I love how you said that because uh, even if it's not something that we are thinking about, we are always having impact on others. Yes, dude, I totally agree. Yeah, that's huge. Cause a lot of people don't do, a lot of people aren't focused on their own impact because they're just so focused on their own goals. Right. But then, right. but then like, you know, what we just said, like knowing that you have, are always having impact, you might as well make it positive, you know, cause you're yeah. always having it. Right. Exactly. Dude. Exactly. Bring that passion and energy at all times. We failed. Let's laugh about it. And move on. Let's let's make sure that we are always aware that people are watching, listening, and that somebody, no matter how old, where they're at in life, they could use one little nugget that you say that you don't even think's a nugget, and they, yeah. dude, and they, hundred percent, that could happen. Yeah. Cool. Uh, just a few more here, bro. Um, what's the pe What's the best piece of advice you've ever received, and why? Yeah, I have to say the best piece of advice that I've ever received was actually through not someone, my dad, who didn't tell me this, who just did it by example. He woke up every morning and he worked hard and he made it happen and he provided, you know, a life even when it was maybe as hard as possible for him to do that through his example. Like that advice to me without him verbally saying it was the most valuable thing that I've ever had. My dad leading through example of just working hard dude no matter what i mean he was in construction going through early 90s and a lot of things terrible happened and there wasn't a lot of work and it was just gnarly and he just made it happen and so that advice to me just through like showing me was the most valuable thing he could have given me versus him just saying hey man hard work like hey this like or some like famous quote it was just him showing me his whole life and i was like wow okay at least i, I know what to do when i've got something that i want to accomplish I know what I need to do. So for me, that's my advice. The greatest piece of advice would be my dad's example. Love that. Love that. Casey, what is your ultimate why? My ultimate why is, yeah, that dude, that's, it's a heavy one. And I looked at that. I've been doing that a lot with these guys that uh, I'm helping in this solar industry. They're sales reps. And so they're just, they're basically doing what we do and do they're training all day. They're knocking and they might win a tournament or not. They might get a deal or not. And so they're constantly need to be inspired. My why is inspiration. And I feel like gathering inspiration and, 
and just like encompassing it from everything around you is my why. And to then to share that with everyone is why I feel like I'm here on earth. Okay, I'm definitely using that as a soundbite. That was amazing. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome, dude. Uh, me and you both, by the way, because um, I'm, right, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Looking back on your journey, is there anything you wish you could change and why? You know, there's a few key things in life that I feel like if I would have changed or, or been able to learn from a little bit quicker, or been more aware of in the moment, um, I think could have changed a lot of things. But then in the end, look where I'm at now. Um, there, there isn't one thing that I would have changed because those were things that got me to where I was and they were obstacles that helped me reroute getting to where, uh, I always envisioned where I want to be. Now I've got four kids, a family, been in the Olympics, you know, one Manhattan open, been able to coach thousands of kids and now see them with families and as fathers and talk to them about how I've coached like, dude, you know, you could look back and man, I was so sick of coaching. I was coaching six hours a day while trying to be a pro and working them. Like, no, that was so valuable because now I'm getting people connecting with me and kids that I, that I coach when they were 12. And, you know, TJ DeFalco was 12 years old. I coached him and he used to drive from, even live in Cal, like he lived like five hours away or something. He used to drive into practice. Now the kid was like, you know what I mean? MVP, NCAA, Division One, All-Star. I mean, the dude was one of the greatest outsides ever. and. I was a part of his journey and his story. And I think that's really cool. So I would never change a thing. Like everything is, is useful. Yeah, man. Amen to that. Um, part of this project, you know, I was inspired to create the pyramid of inspired living for me because that, that to me is, is my peak. That's, that's what I'm trying to achieve on a daily basis, a moment to moment basis. Um, for everyone that's a little different, would you recommend people out there, not just athletes, anybody create some sort of roadmap for themselves, some sort of compass. Yeah, dude, I feel like that's one of the most valuable things. If we don't understand the direction we want to go in, um, we feel a little bit how we were that first two weeks of the quarantine of COVID hitting and hmm. everyone locked down. We're like, we're just kind of spinning in circles, right? And then slowly you can start to just feel that vibe through social media, through interacting with buddies, phone calls, zoom calls, uh, that everyone started to find that direction again, right? Like for this, for you, you've probably been doing this a lot longer than the quarantine time, but had you not had this, it would have been like, okay, now it's time to go, right? And it's time to establish this and let's, let's fire away. I feel like having that roadmap is one of the most valuable things you could have because through that roadmap, you've got certain stages. Let's say you don't hit one, that's fine. You just build another bullet point before that one. And so that roadmap can, can evolve. But if we've got a direction, we can put all of our effort and all of our energy right towards that. Yeah, absolutely. So me, I feel like that's a necessity when it comes to um, a successful mindset. And without that, you're just lost. It's basically yeah. a, boat in, a boat in the ocean with no sail. You're just like, yeah. Yeah. Or a rudder. Like there's no yeah. rudder. Yeah. yeah. Mercy of the water. And you're like, dude, I need, need something to help me go. And it doesn't have to be a pyramid, right? Like it could be anything. It could be just whatever works for you. Right. Exactly. It's all different. Exactly. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, Casey, last question for you, bro. Um, fulfillment. Talk to me about fulfillment. You know, you've, you've, you just listed off all your achievements that you've done. You know, what does that word mean to you and that feeling? Well, to be honest, the, Fulfillment means to me is when you intro this podcast and you kind of talked about me and my life like that immediately with like, that's what hit me, it hit me hard. I was like, oof, about to get that Rudy moment and start crying on the side. Like, Ooh. dude, it's leaving your legacy. I think fulfillment is knowing that looking back, you've done the things that you've wanted to, you, you established your roadmap and you've like either failed or you've won and either way you ended up winning because you've learned from all those experiences. So for me, dude, that fulfillment is, is just looking back on life and, and hopefully leaving a legacy with someone that, you know, that impacted them. I mean, all the bullet points we've talked about, like that's fulfillment. If you'd be able to just even nail down one of those things where you feel like you kind of had an experience to reference from, you can fill yourself all day with those feelings and then that's your legacy. <sighs> Casey Patterson, man. You brought it today, dude. I, I, 
I can't thank you enough, man, for, uh, for sharing our, for sharing this time and sharing just a piece of the, your mindset and some of the things that, um, have helped you over the years, man, you, you really brought it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Always good to connect. And, uh, thanks for bringing up the, uh, the loss in Manhattan. That I, <laughs> I had to, you so, know, I had to. <laughs> so I'm so much refo- I'm so refocused now. I'm ready. <laughs> Let me go back and lift again. <laughs> um, just, uh, I want to give you a chance to uh, just um, mention any sponsors or, or your, your Instagram, Twitter handles again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at, at Casey Pat at Twitter, Instagram. And those are probably the most relevant ones that I use that kind of show who I am and what I'm doing and who I'm associated with and the team and family I've built myself around, you know, sponsors and brands that have supported me is a list that could go on and on. Um, but that's because I approach every one of those with a long-term family type relationship. And, uh, you know, it's dude, Wilson Rockwell, Oakley, Lululemon, Mizuno. Dude, I've had so many rad people, companies, brands around me that, I mean, I'm going to forget 90% of them. So just if you follow me on social, you know, that's to support me at this point. And that's to help me get to where I'm at. Um, but for me, those are really valuable because, those help me do what I do. Casey, you're a true class act and an inspiration to not just me, but to other athletes and coaches and people out there. So again, man, thanks for your time today. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys, Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement, and they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.co.uk.